0: This is That's in the Bible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 39 Prophecy Secures Our Future.
1: Times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake your hearts to God, Satan the chesting rod, seek the way pilgrims tribe, Christians away.
0: Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric and uh, we're glad that you've joined with us again. It's been a, a long time. I'm actually not sure how long it's been, but it's been a long break since we've all gotten together here, And uh, because I think it's summer, and we've been drawn in several different directions and now and doing different things. So, But we are back with episode 39, Prophecy Secures Our Future. And let me start off by saying hello to uh, Matt, Steve, and Pastor Strobel, and and, uh, Steve, how are you today? Care, Hello, Steve. Steve's not with us
1: anymore. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. Wow. I got caught in cyberspace somewhere. You did. I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> I could hear you guys. I'm going, okay. He didn't respond, and I looked down, and I had muted myself, so.
0: Ah, uh, well. That'll happen, especially that since happens. you're on a, on a new machine. You're, you're probably, all those monitors, as you were explaining a little while ago, you're probably a little lost.
1: <laughs> I, I'm lost in cyberspace.
0: <laughs> so welcome back. And um, what, do you, what have you been up to over the, Was uh, it been like three or four weeks since we've done this?
1: Well, it's probably been, I almost think, longer than that. Has Maybe. Um, just doing a lot of things, going a lot of places. Um, had a revival meeting with Brother Sam Gipp at our church. Uh, which uh, were good meetings, and, uh, you know, a lot of times in in those kind of revival meetings, you know, you, you want something from God, you pray, and you ask God to do something for you, and, and the preaching's good, you enjoy yourself, but, you know, the expectation isn't as... Uh, doesn't come through as you expect but this one this one had some some real answers for me this particular time and i'm just real thankful for that went out to uh i think you know well eric i know was there with me we went out to see um james knox Mm -hmm. at least i was out for one night i think my wife went out for a couple um and then uh we went to uh toledo for the pastor's school that was there and that was that was a great time um there with Pastor Strobel and, and uh, good fellowship, played a round of golf, or at least tried to get a whole round of golf in, and didn't quite succeed in that time constraints. But um, the answers that I received from Brother Gibbs' meetings were confirmed with with um, uh, Brother Knox and and what was preached at the uh, pastor's school. So Monday. I was just really, really thankful for that. I think I'm, I'm, I would have made a, a rash Decision to do something and and uh, what happened uh, prevented me from doing that and doing the right thing. So I was just real thankful for that. Um, been doing a lot of door to door, hitting the streets. Uh, got a good response from from some of our people in the church that've been going out with us. Uh, ladies going out during the day on Tuesdays and Fridays and and uh, uh, getting some. Good response from the people with that, and then uh, going out on Saturday uh, morning, early afternoon, and uh, getting some opportunities to talk to some people, uh, testify the saving grace. There's been some some conversions, uh, but I consider it a, a victory if you get a chance to open your Bible and and uh, declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. and we've uh, each group. Uh, I believe going out has had at least one, if not multiple, opportunities of of presenting the gospel and and uh, you know even when you present it. I know I've talked to some of you guys in in private about this, but <clears throat> there would have been a time uh, years ago where uh, if somebody didn't quite understand what I was talking about and what I was showing them from the Bible, I would have pushed my way through and tried to get a conversion. And uh, I think I've grown from that. You know, the Spirit of God uh, knows better than I if the person's ready or not. And, um, you know, I think there are a lot of false conversions out there because people try to force uh, a prayer, yeah. uh, people to say a prayer instead of uh, waiting for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So we've uh, we've just been busy, been doing uh, some street preaching and and just been been really busy and and enjoying ourselves and thankful that we still have the freedom to be able to uh to do those things and trying to exercise that this time
0: amen amen
2: pastor strobel how about you i i don't even think we've talked about your alaska trip no it's uh been kind of a, a whirlwind summer for me as well actually from uh, the time of my son's graduation the pensacola trip i've yeah. had uh including that, four big trips um, this uh, summer. So I was there, and then we had the Alaska trip and came back, and about a week later went down to youth camp uh, in Alabama and then uh, came back from that. And within a couple weeks or so, I'd I'd have to check the calendar, uh, was, as Brother Steve said, in Toledo uh, for the pastor's conference, pastor school conference there. And all of them were uh, fruitful trips, and the Lord did a, a lot of work, in a lot of uh, venues um, one of the highlights was at youth camp uh my 16 year old son answered the call to preach and um, the lord had been working on him and we we've, we've seen that and these things are are not even without uh, struggles and battles cuz uh there are some battles he went through uh, but emerged you know with with victory and it's been been uh, steady as she goes yeah, and uh, he wants to keep the fire going he takes opportunities himself just to go out with not only our, our church groups but um uh, some of the other folks from from church at different times him and some of the other young men will get together and go out and do some uh passing out tracks or and or street preaching uh, on their own but, which is a blessing um the Alaska trip was uh, a a real blessing as well Uh, Got a chance to visit the family, two families from our church that are, um, uh, they have a church out there. Uh, One of them has been there for about 11 years. The other one's been there for about um, five or six years. And the family, the one that's been there the shortest, they prior to that were in um, another place. They were in Point Lay and uh, pastored there in a village where there's just about uh, 200 people uh, there's another, uh, brother there that's, uh, pastoring now doing a good job, uh, from all that I hear, but, uh, they were there and then kind of got, uh, they did a good job went steady, but, um, uh, and the, the man was, was steady with it, but it's difficult for the family, a small, uh, place like that. And, uh, they've been doing well working with, um, uh, their friends and, and relatives there in Kotzebue now, um. Uh, took us a while to get into Kotzebue. Uh, it took me about two days longer than it was supposed to because every time we tried to approach Kotzebue, there was a low cloud ceiling. The first time, the uh, pilot said that they had enough fuel to uh, attempt uh, the landing twice, and that that didn't work on. We are going on to Nome. Uh, we left Anchorage. We broke down through. We we were trying to break down through the cloud ceiling. We kept going down, down, down. I we could feel the descent, and kept seeing clouds, clouds, clouds. And finally, when he broke through the clouds, all I can say is it was the closest that I had ever seen water from a commercial airplane. <laughs> and um, he he pulled it out of the descent, went back up, <laughs> and um, he didn't make another attempt at that point. Yeah. To fill in
0: to everyone's so, relief, probably.
2: Yeah, I was uh, wanting to get there, but um, I wanted to get there on the runway, not on the mm. water. So I was, I, was kind of, I was pretty glad for that. But anyway, it took us a couple of days. Finally got in, had a great time um, with our, our folks over there. They're doing a good job. Uh, it's it's a village of a little over 3,000 people and uh, just uh, just a real education. Uh, I've known a lot about the place. and um, So I wasn't really surprised by a lot of things, and yet just being there. You know, is is more eye opening, and uh, I, I feel bad for the people. Um, you, you know, there's, this, there's a there's a rough spirit that hangs over that the place. Uh, as I saw people in the street, I was struck by the fact that I just I did not see uh, them smiling. I don't remember ever seeing just somebody walking in the street uh, with a smile on their face. It just wasn't an impression. It seemed like. And although the Christians that we knew, we spent time with, you know, there was happiness and joy, but um, there's a lot of a lot of difficult uh, things going through there. You know, we we did a, a program here on uh, suicide and the Bible and suicide, and, and there's just a lot of that that takes place in those Arctic villages. Um, hmm. It's a it's a sad thing. I actually actually hope maybe some of them will tune in you know, to to the message and maybe take heart and. And realize there's hope in in mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but uh, that's why the light needs to be on there. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a uh, just uh, too many things to to say there uh, or to to talk about that we saw there. Uh, let me just mention one other thing. We've also been out doing a lot of evangelism during the summer um, down at our, the Friday night concert series that they have in downtown Lockport. We get down there and uh, get to put out tracks and. Do some preaching and hold up signs. And as we were approaching our last Friday night uh, recently, the uh, there, on, on one of the corners there was a a new stand where some folks were selling kind of a, a sugar free energy type of drink or something like that. And we, uh, I, I you know, asked them about it and just trying to ease into the corner because it's one of the places we normally stand. But and tried to offer them a track and. The girl said she was Jewish, and the boy said he was an atheist, and um, so I got to talk to both of them for just a little bit, and mostly the young man, at, the, at and he, he was a little bit sour on God because when he was addicted to drugs, people would tell him to have faith, et cetera and, and uh, it just seemed like, as he said, when he tried to do that, things just got worse, and so... Anyway, I, I, long story short, I, I tried to let him know that the Lord's there and he cares about him. And uh, when you talk with people that claim to be atheists, a lot of times you find out they're really not atheists. They're just upset with God or, or they're agnostic. <clears throat> in his case, I don't think he was atheist at all. I think he believed in God. He just wasn't happy with how God dealt with his circumstances. Mm. I was praying before we left that, um, and I asked a couple of our folks to pray that, that I'd be able to uh, give the Jewish girl a new Testament. And I try to carry some with me when I'm soul winning or street preaching to to give away. And uh, so I had them pray. And when we were breaking up and just left, I walked over to her and say, I have something I'd like to give you. And I handed it to her and she uh, graciously accepted and took it. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was just a joy to see that go into the hands of um, uh, the young, young lady. And we do pray that she'll come to know, Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a good Jewish man and uh, died for our sins. He was God in the flesh. But of the descent of the Jews, the son of David, son of Abraham. And um, we hope that, that she'll come to know him as her Messiah. Amen.
0: Amen. How about you, Matt? Uh, I've been, uh, been pretty
3: busy. It's uh, I don't know if I said this last time on the show, but um, it's been a while since I've been able to leave some, lead somebody to the Lord, and and uh, just like uh, Brother Steve said, uh, I've been real careful about making sure somebody's truly convicted uh, about their sins and that they deserve to go to hell, and, and um, this one kid at basketball ministry, probably about three weeks ago, um, uh, he's been coming, I guess, for a couple weeks. I hadn't been able to go uh, the week before, but he came that week. Um, young kid. He's probably about uh, 16, 17 years old. And um, after the uh, preaching he, uh, and after basketball was pretty much over, um, the other guys were getting ready to play some more. Um, I was about to leave, but I saw him kind of just hanging around. And so I just went over to him, gave him a gospel track and, and uh, you know, just wanted, told him, you know, definitely pray about, you know, the preaching and about this gospel track and, you know, and and uh, so he came back over to me probably about a minute later and uh, he said, you know, do uh, you guys do any other kind of activities? And, and I told him, all, well, listen, you know, uh, why, why don't we get together? Also, we have Wednesday night services and Sunday night services. And, and so he said, well, I've been a Christian pretty much all my life, you know. And, uh, you know, that was a red flag, of course. And, and so I, um, you know, witnessed to him. And I said, well, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? And uh, he said, that's the thing, I don't know. And, uh, he had had a truly worried look on his face. So I, I witnessed to him and, and, um, and he got saved. He got down on his knees and he got saved. And and the awesome thing too, was the, um, the man that was doing the, um, preaching was going on prayer. He was preaching about prayer. And that man, that, that young, uh, team that just went actually went off to Bible school, he was uh, playing basketball all the time. But when he saw me witnessing to this kid, uh, he went over, um, away from everybody playing basketball and I saw him get down on his, uh, get down on his, um, knees and started praying for this kid to get saved. And, uh, so it was just, it was a blessing to see that happen and, and him get saved. And, and, uh, but, uh, you know, I agree with brother Steve, there's a lot of, uh, false conversions, I believe, you know, when people, um, you know, just, uh, try and lead somebody through a prayer and, but I made sure, you know, it, before I send somebody through a prayer, I say, listen, do you believe right now if you were to die that you go to hell? And he said, "I do, I really do so that was that was a blessing and um I've had the opportunity to uh street preach some more and and uh, I go out and help a church out in uh, Martville, new york and and uh, we go street preaching in Oswego New York and also Fulton new York and uh, this last time I went I think I got a little bit in the flesh um, but uh uh sometimes it's uh it's hard to hold it back, but there was this lady. Um, that uh, my girlfriend Jennifer was there with me, and we were on one side of the street corner, and I heard this lady come up to her while I was street preaching, and she said, "Well, you know, how does how do you think this works? I'm a Christian, you know, and and uh, you know, don't you uh, you think this maybe uh, you know pushes people away more than brings them to Christ, you know? And and I don't I didn't know what Jennifer said to her, but I know I know afterwards after talking to her that Jennifer said, "Well, Jesus Christ tells us to go out and, and do this and." And so, but after I heard her say that, I changed my preaching just for a couple of verses and uh, changed it and said, well, listen, you know, the, you know, Paul said that he went into, uh, he taught public and from house to house and, and Jesus Christ said, go, ye, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, uh, and I also said that the Bible says preach upon the housetops and, uh, you know, going to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. And, and, uh, so she got a little bit mad at me, I think, but, uh, but I, you know, I wanted her to know that that's why we're out there. We're out there because God tells us to go out there and uh, we're worried about souls and, and, uh, you know, so I might've got a little bit in the flesh, but I hope she sees too, if she's truly a Christian, that that she should be out there and she should be witnessing because, uh, people are going to hell every day, you know? So, but, uh, I just, I just thank God. Uh, like I believe it was, uh, pastor steve said it's just a blessing to be able to know that we have the opportunity and we also have the freedom to do it so i thank
0: god for that amen amen and on on my end uh we had the broom county fair and the uh thing called the speedy fest which is a big balloon rally you know hot air balloons and and uh so really it's about eight eight days of between the fair and the the speedy fest of uh, our church sets up a uh, booth and uh, it's really a soul winning booth and it says um see three things god cannot do and uh, the first door you open up and it says um god cannot lie and then the second one is um god does god can't change and the third one is god can't let anyone into heaven unless they've been born again And um, so, initially, when people first see that original sign, you know, see three things God cannot do, sometimes they're like, what? God can do anything! And they're a little skeptical, of course, but once they start opening the doors. But when we get to the third one, they kind of look at that and then we ask them, are you 50, 75, 100% sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? and um you get a variety of answers on that you know you get get some folks say 100% and then you ask them you know can i ask you what uh, what you're basing that on and you'll get things from you know well uh, i've been baptized or I, I try to be a pretty good person to um you know it's just a whole bunch of <laughs> a whole bunch of different things and then some people say i, I don't really know maybe 50% i'm and we ask them, would you like to take a look and see what the Bible says about how you can know you can go to heaven when you die? And surprisingly, a fair amount of folks will, will stop and and take a look at that. So, And then you get folks that are, I, I just uh, come up with, you know, crazy answers. Um, I had a fellow, I'd say in his mid-twenties with his girlfriend, say that his God's name is Carl, and he goes... <laughs> He goes by the Alanis Morissette uh, philosophy of God, which apparently if you touch your nose, that's that's really all the God you need. Huh. And I said, okay, well, you know, it's a nice sunny day and you're obviously in pretty good health right now, but you know what, when it's you're laying on your deathbed or you're really sick and you're about to die, I'm sure that's going to bring you a lot of comfort, touching your nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He got a little serious then. He goes, Well, I wasn't trying to be, you know. So, but anyway. Yeah, right. Well, good. So, we had, uh, so, you know, that's always, that always keeps you on your toes and, 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 uh, it's always fun to do. And then some of you may remember from episode 22, a man questions the act of salvation Is he is also a Yankees fan. Uh, Mike who I've been seeing off and on with his wife and his kids and and uh doing Bible studies at his house. Um and I'll have to admit that he's been responsible for making that happen. I haven't been pursuing really him about that. And every so often he'll call me, and I think he calls me for a couple of reasons if he hasn't heard from me and and he'll he'll say this too. And number one, he'll say just want to make sure i didn't miss the rapture or anything
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he'll check if he hasn't heard from me in a while but then he'll you know he'll say can you come out and so i've had the opportunity he's got four sons and i've had the opportunity one of the, the oldest being a senior in high school this year um down to i think the youngest is What is the youngest in 5th 4th grade so And I've had the opportunity, I just had the opportunity to uh, uh, do a Bible study with the two youngest, and I've already presented the gospel to the two oldest. And I gave the two youngest their homework assignment, which was, uh, if they can find out what it takes to get to heaven. And they may have to ask their two older brothers to to help them with that answer. (laughs) So... So we're going to be getting together again Tuesday, but part of the uh, the deal is now, though. I said, you know, Mike, Mike coming to your house does not take the place of going to church. So Mike and his wife and his four boys will be in church the Sunday. Good. So, you know, that's that's been a while since we did episode twenty two, <laughs> but uh, things are things are moving along there. And it, and the oldest son had his his girlfriend over. And this was on Tuesday, and uh, she stayed for the Bible study. Like and uh, she has attended a Roman Catholic church all her life. And and uh, Mike said to her, "You think you? What do you think? You're going to come back and join us when we do it again?" And she goes, "Yeah." She goes, I, I, "I've learned things I didn't know in the, in this last hour than all the times I've been going to church." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think I think she found it interesting. So it's interesting. I mean, it's just good to see. God work and move and and uh, to see see those things happen. But so that's the scoop here and then I and I did get a chance to go out to Steve's church there and hear uh, uh, Evangelist uh, Sam Gip, which uh, he's always it's always great to hear him and I don't get a chance to hear him too often live so it was it was good to hear him live but and I have to say hello to Randy Steve the fellow there in your church that yeah uh, he, he's He's a funny guy. Yeah, he's a
1: good guy. Because <laughs> we we're had a, a good guy.
0: We had a question, and you know, I asked him a question because because <laughs> uh, Doctor Gipp, while he was uh, talking, when one of the things he talked about was uh, Second Timothy three eight, which says, "Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses? So do these also resist the truth? Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith." And he and he asked the congregation as we were sitting there. Now you all know who who, who Janus and Jambres were, right? And I'm sure Steve knew, but he didn't say either. <laughs> so everybody was just sitting there, and I'm thinking, I don't know. I never really thought about that. I guess. And and he, he was like, what? You, know "What? you mean, nobody knows that." And so, since uh, I've already talked to, to Matt about this, and he knows the answer, we'll put Pastor Strobel on the uh, on the hot seat. <laughs> Janice and Jambres. He trouble. just went mute? Passes he, just... <laughs> he has now no. left the building. Hello.
2: <laughs> oh, I thought I was unmuting myself. No, it's assumed that Janus and Jambres were the magicians that withstood that Moses in um, the when the when they were putting the plagues on Egypt. Yeah, and that's. Yeah, thought uh, you were
1: going to pull a fast one, didn't you? <laughs> uh,
0: that's why you know, he was looking. He was he had his concordance out. He was looking that
2: up. That's why he was on mute. <laughs> I don't know that you'd find any help in the concordance because <laughs> their names aren't in the Old Testament. <laughs> and that, you know,
0: and I was like, well, how, how how would you know that? Because they they aren't listed in the Old Testament. So how how is it assumed that?
2: Well, because they they would be the people, two people that withstood him in the Old Testament. But didn't um, didn't that Aaron withstand him and? And well, Aaron's name isn't Janice or Jambres, though. Right,
0: right. So, because of the, just because their names weren't yeah, mentioned, and they
2: they were resisting, and there are two people that resisted him. And again, there's, you know, there's speculation. This is not a doctrine that I would die for. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good point. Nor nor would I split a church over it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they they resisted these guys who's talking about some people here that resisted the truth and mm-hmm. uh, that's what you know these magicians did they resisted the the truth so there's you know there's it's speculation
0: yeah and i think there were there is a note in my in uh, my cambridge reference bible that that mentions that too <clears throat> and so anyway I, on the i was like how, how would you know that so i i think i asked randy on the way out and uh Randy said, and I didn't know that. I said, well, how would you know that? So, I, and Dr. Gip was standing a few feet away, and he says, well, let's go ask him. And I said, I don't want to ask him. <laughs> he let's goes, well, Mikey. He, go, yeah, yeah. he goes, well, I'll ask him. Don't worry about it. So, him and I walk up there, and he says, hi, Dr. Gip, this guy's got a question for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he pulled an Eric on Eric. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that was fun. <laughs> uh, we had some fun.
1: You were afraid of becoming an illustration in somebody else's church, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I just thought, oh boy, because I've heard <laughs> Sam Gibbs illustrations, you know, and I thought uh, he's going to use me now. This this guy Not didn't true. know who and Jambres was.
3: Yeah, the next time he preaches, he'll use you. <laughs> yeah. These guys came up to me, asked me this question.
0: I, I just remember the one he, he talks about where he says, you know, I was in a church and this guy comes up to me after the service and he goes, uh, I've had a battle with stress. And he says, yeah, and it looks like you lost. <laughs> 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 uh, so anyway. <laughs> so I'm always thinking, uh, so I don't want to say anything, he'll use me. <laughs> Some, something. <laughs> <clears throat> but Randy's a he's a fun, fun guy I wish I was closer yeah, we could hang out good man so hello Randy I have to think of something to get back at you for that so anyway so we're going to do the quote of the day and uh, Matt's going to bring us that but uh, before we do that we're going to take a quick break something a little bit new here and uh,
1: we'll be right back <laughs> Can the Bible really be more advanced than modern science? Are there scientific discoveries that were found in the Bible centuries before? Are there yet other discoveries that the Bible already has revealed but modern science has yet to discover? Can the King James Bible really be more accurate than modern science? find out the answers to these questions and discover some startling truths in episode number 12 does the bible out science science only on that's in
2: and now it's
0: time for the quote of the day. Day, 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 day all right matt that's your cue
3: all right i don't know if i can uh, follow up that one there <laughs> no <laughs> i gotta get that voice
0: Uh, Yeah, we all do. All
3: right, this is from Bob Jones Sr., and he says, if a preacher doesn't make me feel mean, he's no good. What do you guys think about that?
0: I don't know. I'm feeling a little angry at the moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even preached yet.
2: (laughs) Well, I think he's obviously speaking to the uh, fact that a lot of times preachers want to get up and just make people feel good. Bible talks about even uh, how, how the people have, in the last day, is going to have itching ears. They're not going to be able to uh, endure sound doctrine. They'll heap to, them, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And uh, in uh, I think it's Romans 16. Talk about those who, with good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. And what we need is we need a preacher sometimes to just uh, get under our skin a little bit, yeah. right.
1: shake us out of our apathy. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, this seems to be a recurring theme only because I think it's a relevant truth. And the fact is, is that uh, people today in our society have a lack of character, and and you know, people don't like to hear hard preaching. They don't like to hear negative preaching, and uh, I mean, obviously, you got Joel Olstein as the as a prime example, I don't know how how many thousands. Somebody told me he had forty thousand people in his in his church on a Sunday. I don't know if that's true or not, but but he's got that positive, slick message that that wouldn't offend anybody and uh, wouldn't get under underneath anybody's skin, and uh, makes people feel good, as Pastor Strobel says. But <clears throat> the the real Kind of preaching that's really going to get after you is the is the kind that that uh, like he says makes you mean uh, that uh, that that hits you between the eyes and uh, you see the truth of the scripture and you see your sinfulness and your wickedness and your ungodliness in, in the light of God's holiness and righteousness. And uh, it puts you in a proper perspective. I mean, it, it almost seems as though the type of Christianity that we have today—they want to put a, a big hug around everybody and give everybody a weak, real wet, smoochy kiss—and uh, that's not the kind of preaching that you find in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, Paul Paul wasn't afraid to to get in people's faces. I mean, just read Corinthians. Uh, and, uh, and you'll get that uh, picture real quick. Uh, he didn't do it out of malice. He didn't do it out of hate. He, he actually did it out of love. And uh, it only follows the pattern that, that, that uh, the Lord gives and the fact that he said, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Some of that scourging, in fact, the best kind of scourging comes through preaching. And if you uh, heed the admonition through the preaching, you save yourself a whole lot of heartache.
3: Amen. I think about, too, um, about a year ago, one of the guys that I work with, he was telling me about um, on, I believe it's Route 81, um, Highway 81 there. there There's a big billboard. It's not up anymore, but uh, he took a picture of it. It was a huge billboard that had a big couch on it, just a picture of a couch. And it said something about the Vineyard Church, uh, come and feel comfortable. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just a kind of a couch atmosphere, you know, kind of relax, you know, have fun. And, and, uh, like you guys were saying, I mean, that's what a lot of the churches are today. And, you know, they want you to feel comfortable and they think that if you're not comfortable, you don't want to come. And, and, uh, one of the ladies that I work with, that's, that's what she says about her church now is that, uh, it's more comfortable. You know, you can't have the word of God when you have the word of God too much, you know, preached and used, um, then uh, nobody feels real comfortable and understands what's going on. And, and that's what she said to me, you know. And and it made me think about, you know, that that's what separates a, a true, uh, you know, biblical church from any other church, you know, or or, or um, just a worldly church, is that, you know, how much is the Bible used, you know. And, and, uh, and that's the thing. I think about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where the Bible, you know, it says of the word of God that it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And, uh, you know, you look at Jeremiah seventeen nine. it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And it says that God searches the heart, searches the reins of the heart. And I think about the word of God, when it discerns your, uh, your heart, your attentions, uh, a lot of times you go to church and you don't even know it, you know, but your heart is so uh, wicked. And, uh, when that word of God cuts down and discerns your heart, uh, a lot of times I, I know me, I leave, I leave coming away, uh, hurt. And, uh, sometimes even, um, <laughs> mad uh because i want to keep in maybe a sin that i'm doing or or something that it, maybe not even might be a sin but something that i wanted to do but god says no you, you shouldn't do this this weekend. you should do this you know and and a lot of times you come away and and uh you definitely are almost a little bit mad but but that's what the word of god does you know it discerns that wicked heart that we have
0: amen all right. Well, let's go ahead, and unless somebody else has uh, something further to add, I'm thinking we'll we'll go ahead and get started here on our on our episode for uh, this time around. And I also want to say hi to Peter. It was nice meter meeting Peter at your church too, Steve. I Amen. know he's up from down south, but well, he's got a he's got a good spirit too, doesn't he?
1: Oh yeah. Amen. Love that man. Love that man.
0: And you know when he's in the building.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> He is excited and enthused about the Lord, and he doesn't care who knows it.
0: Yeah, amen. All right, Steve, so are you ready to bring us Prophecy Secures Our Future? Amen. All right, let me give you your intro, and you'll be on.
1: All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, as Eric has mentioned, we're going to be studying uh, prophecy secures our future. Um, prophecy is a is a topic that's uh, comes in ebbs and flows as far as uh, Christianity is concerned. It seems as though uh, our, our, when I first trusted Christ as my Savior back in the middle to to late seventies, prophecy was was quite the subject. Uh, you had uh, several preachers that were that were preaching it and and evangelists that were going around and that was their main thrust of their ministry was prophecy and uh everyone was convinced that the lord was coming back and, and they were going through all of the things that were going to take place in the very near future at least as as they saw it from the scriptures and uh then it kind of subsided for a while and uh Kind of got into the family movement and uh, home and the family and marriage and things along that line, and, and then it would uh, make a, a slight resurgence. and And uh, not too long ago, they they had that uh, book series out and and a movie series. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, uh, nah, it escapes me right now. Somebody else will fill me in a little bit later. Left Left Behind, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Left Behind series. And that sparked again the interest uh, of prophecy. And um, I don't know that it's waning. I think uh, it's uh, only uh, intensifying really. Uh, Not only just with the Christians, but but with the lost as well. And um, I hope to to be able to explain some of that and and go through some of that as we go, but let me let me do this first before we go any further. Let's let's pray, Father. We're thankful for the time that we have here this evening. We're thankful for the conversations that that the four of us could have prior to the start of this uh, podcast and just the the enjoyment that we have, uh, the, the the banter that we have back and forth and and. Uh, the good friendships that we've developed over this uh, time in the podcast. Lord, pray that uh, you'd bless this time that we have now. God, as we explore this subject uh, pray that your spirit would guide and direct, fill me with that spirit that I might be able to to say exactly what you once said, to be an encouragement to someone Lord, to fortify uh, someone's faith in the word of God Lord, we pray that you might bless and be honored in all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Simply put, prophecy is a foretelling of the future. Saying something will happen before it happens. In Webster's Dictionary of 1828, it reads this way. A foretelling, predicting, a declaration of something to come. As God only knows the future events with certainty, not uh, not being but God, uh, no being. I'm sorry, no being but God, or some person informed by Him can utter a real prophecy. The prophecies recorded in Scripture, when fulfilled, afford most convincing evidence of the divine origin of the Scriptures as those who uttered the prophecies could not have foreknown the events predicted without supernatural instruction. The Bible says this, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Um Prophecy is a foretelling of the future, and as we have dotted throughout the past and I suppose even in the future, should the Lord tarry many have tried their hand at prophesying uh, not only just in the Christian realm of those maybe of, of charismatic and Pentecostal beliefs but I'm talking others uh, in the uh, carnal world in the in the lost world, if you will <clears throat> Um, you really heard about it a lot when I, I'm probably going to be dating myself, as I will with some of these next statements. But uh, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, there seemed to be a lot of, of that with the uh, uh, horoscopes becoming very popular. Uh, Gene Dixon, Edgar Casey, some of his sayings were, were foretold or, or brought back. Uh, And if you really take a look at it, a lot of those things were really more guesses than they were predicting the future. I mean, you know, some of these people that would predict the future would say things such as, and again, I'm going to date myself, Liz Taylor's marriage or Mickey Rooney's uh, marriage will end in divorce. Well, that was kind of a safe bet after... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight marriages had already failed. Uh, it it was good reason to, to predict that their marriages would end in divorce. So, like I said, it was it was just basically a guess. But how many times these people that made predictions and some of their predictions would, uh, in some respect, come true? Uh, what I'm saying is uh, I remember one, uh, I guess, more famous prediction that was uh, uh, came true or at least alleged to come true was Gene Dixon predicting that uh, President Kennedy would be assassinated. Uh, and uh, you can read about that. You can go to Wikipedia and any of those places along that line. But uh, as that event took place and as it turned out she I guess she made that prediction and I want to say 56 if my memory serves me correctly and uh, uh, she actually thought that Richard Nixon was going to win the election instead of, of uh, uh, JFK and um, uh, even with that uh, the onset of President Kennedy being shot and assassinated she backed off from what she originally said and didn't say she was, he was going to be assassinated, but that he would die in his pres- presidency. And just made a lot of backpedaling from the original uh, prediction that she made. But in light of the fact that, that every once in a while somebody may hit something fairly close, how many times were they wrong? How many times did they predict things and it never came to pass? Guys like Nostradamus, which speak in obscurity of an event that happens to coincide with a writing of his. Uh, I'll give you an example. This is uh, one of his, as they call it, uh, quatrain. I believe that's how that's uh, pronounced. This is the quatrain. Here it is <clears throat> The young lion will overcome the older one on the field of, ba- of combat. In a single battle, he will pierce his eyes through a golden cage. Two wounds made one. When he dies, then he dies a cruel death. Now, here's what they consider to be the fulfilling of that prophecy. In June 1559, Henry II ignored all warnings that Nostradamus gave him and uh, Uh, participated in a jousting tournament against uh, Contame de Montgomery. Uh, Both men uh, used shields embossed with lions. Montgomery was six years younger than Henry. During the final bout of the fighting in the tournament, Montgomery failed to lower his lance in time. It shattered, sending a large splinter through the king's gilded visor, golden cage. Uh, the result was two mortal wounds. Uh, the two wounds made one. Uh, then uh, he will die a cruel death. That's trying to get capture the uh, the prophecy. One splinter uh, uh, spliced the eye. Uh, The other impaled his temple just behind the eye. Both splinters from the lance penetrated his brain. Henry lived for ten days in agony, uh, thus fulfilling Nostradamus' prophecy that he would die a cruel death. Now, all of those things are obscure and nothing specific. you know, Christians were even doing that kind of thing from the Bible uh, back around uh, uh, to, uh, 9-11 in, in 2000 when uh, uh, the, uh, the Twin Towers fell uh, Isaiah 30 verse 25 says this and there uh, shall be upon every high mountain upon every high hill rivers and streams of waters in the day uh, of the great slaughter when the towers fell. Now, you know when when Nostradamus supposedly has a prophecy fulfilled, everybody gets uh, real happy and and uh, giddy about the fact that he he predicted something that came true. Uh, in the same way, Christians were almost giddy and and uh, 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 sounded anonymous anonymous. Uh, cry in regards to the scriptures talking about the towers falling, but that's not the kind of thing that we're talking about. When uh, when we're talking about prophecy, we're talking about specific things. When Christians cite prophecy, uh, it is you know, and they get excited about uh, a prophecy that God has fulfilled from the scripture. Uh, People don't have the same excitement and enthusiasm, and I believe the reason behind that is because it comes from God. It doesn't come from a human being, and so they kind of uh, squelch it or put it down. Uh, People today are more interested in the Da Vinci Code than they are in the real book of prophecy and the book of knowledge and the book of wisdom, and I've asked myself the question, why is that? Why is it that someone will go- turn to Nostradamus? Why is it that someone will turn to Gene Dixon? Why is it that someone will turn to the Da Vinci Code? And I, I don't know that this is solely true, but at least, at least it's partially true. And one of the reasons is that the preachers stop seeing the Bible as a fantastic wonderful, even mystical book that is, uh, and, and is treated, and they treat it solely as, as a practical book of conduct. They, they've lost the wonder of how wonderful that book is, of how amazing this book is put together, and how much God puts himself on the line by making statements, radical statements that have come true, and we shy away from prophecy. Prophecy hasn't been in the in the preaching from the pulpits. Now, it, like I said, it, it it's been in the writings and so forth, and and the Left Behind series, and and you've got preachers that are putting it down and so forth because it's quote not accurate to the to the uh, scriptures and so forth, and and a lot of things going on in that regard. But nonetheless, we have a book of prophecy. That There's probably more prophecy in the Bible than there is conduct in the Bible for the New Testament Christian. Yet, very little is said about it from the pulpits today. And uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, proofs that the Bible is God's book, inspired and preserved in the King James Bible, 1611, is the fact that the the prophecy that's within the book that's the greatest proof is the prophecy. I'm not talking about, you know, general coincidences, but specific detailed information that has come true to the minutest detail. Not just generic benign info. But we're talking about outlandish things seemingly impossible things coming true right on the money. And every one of them has been fulfilled, just as it was prophesied to do. You know, in God's Bible, there are no misfires or mistakes or errors in regards to prophecy. There's no, uh, uh, let me see here, let me recalculate some things here about what uh, we prophesied about. Many of these things that we're talking about, prophecies that were given, were given hundreds if not thousands of years ahead of the time that they were fulfilled by several different offers and there was no collusion at all in any of these things. Now, what I want to do is I want to go through one of these things specifically, but I but what I'd like to do is, is at least mention some of these things that you can go back and take a look at yourself. The one that we're going to take a look at in a little bit of detail is a prediction of Tyre, prophecy about Tyre, and it's found in Ezekiel 26. You have uh, the, the prophecy of Samaria, the Samaria that's found in Micah chapter 1 and verse 6. You've got prophecy about Jericho that's found in Joshua chapter twenty or six, verse twenty six, and there's other prophecies that I have here about Palestine, about Moab and Ammon, about Edom and about Babylon, and we can go back and, and I can give you the details of those at a later time. You know, I'll put them on the podcast or on the uh, on the website. <clears throat> but I want you to take a look at Ezekiel chapter twenty six. Ezekiel chapter 26, and I want to read uh, just some some scriptures here, and then go through these uh, these prophecies. Now, what I'm I, I'm doing this? Uh, it was kind of the premise of a book called Science Speaks, and it was from a mathematician and a scientist that uh, put this book together. And they used a system, and I'm not going to use this system, but I I just want you to understand the premise of this. They were using mathematical statistical probability. Now, I'm not a mathematician. My oldest son is is way more of a mathematician than I am, and he's taken courses in statistics. And he would understand the premise by which these guys have used to put this book together. Others out there that have taken statistic courses, these, these the premise that they used in this book is not uncommon in fact it's very common <clears throat> but I want you I'll, I'll go through it <laughs> just bear with me it's not going to be that hard as I'm probably making it out to be in uh, in Ezekiel chapter 26 let's start in verse 3 therefore thus saith the Lord God behold I am against thee O tyrus and I will cause many nations to come up against thee as the sea causeth his waves to come up. <clears throat> and they shall destroy the walls of Tyrus, they'll break down her towers, and, I will, and, and will also scrape her dust from her, and make her like the top of a rock. It shall be uh, a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea. For I uh, have spoken it, saith the Lord God, and it shall become a spoil to nations. Take a look in verse 7. For thus saith the Lord God Behold, I will bring upon Tyrus Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a king uh, of kings from the north, with horses and with chariots and with uh, horsemen and companies and much people. Uh, skip down to verse 12. <clears throat> and they shall make spoil. Of thy riches, and make a prey of thy merchandise, and they shall break down thy walls, and destroy thy pleasant houses, and they shall lay thy stones, and thy timbers, and thy dust in the midst of the water. Take a look in verse 14. And I will make thee the, uh, like the top of a rock, thou shalt be a place to spread nets upon and shall be uh, uh, built no more, for I the Lord uh, have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Now, what I want to do is I want to capsulize the the seven prophecies that are mentioned here in regards to Tyre. Number one, Nebuchadnezzar shall take the city of Tyre. Number two, other nations are to participate in the fulfillment of the prophecy. Number three, the city is to be made flat like the top of a rock. Number four, it is to become a place for spreading of nets. Number five, its stones and timbers are to be laid in the sea uh, as well as the dust. Um, number six, other cities are to fear greatly at the fall of Tyre. Number seven, the old city of Tyre shall never be rebuilt. Now, just for your information, if you're not really familiar with Tyre, Tyre is is north of of, uh, Palestine, uh, close to the border of Palestine and Lebanon or in that vicinity. And uh, the... um, In fact, king of uh, Tyrus was one that supplied the timber for the building of Solomon's temple. In uh, 1586, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, laid siege to the city of Tyre. The siege lasted 13 years, and when Nebuchadnezzar took the city in 1573 BC, he found that the Phoenicians, which are the, the residents of Tyre, had moved everything of value to an island about half a mile off the coast. Though the city was taken, Nebuchadnezzar profited nothing, and the Phoenicians were not conquered. Nebuchadnezzar could not uh, pursue them to uh, to their island position. So he returned to Babylon. Thus, the first item of the prophecy was fulfilled, that Nebuchadnezzar shall take the city of Tyre. Some 241 years later, uh, the mainland of Tyre remained very much as Nebuchadnezzar had left it. Later, Alexander the Great started his great conquest. And he went along, his, his, most of his emphasis was toward the north, but he feared the navy of the, of the Phoenicians. And so in order to, to stop that, he went after uh, Tyre. And uh, to do that, he captured a lot of the the uh, other uh, towns around the area, captured their navy, and with their fleets tried to to go after uh, uh, Tyre and couldn't do it. Um, <clears throat> the, like it says here in in uh, three thirty two B C, Alexander tried uh, reached Tyre, but was unable to take it uh, the city at once. Um, Alexander finally built a causeway from the mainland to the island. To build a causeway, he used all the building materials of old tire, and that was not enough. He scraped up all the soil uh, in in and around the city, and with it completed the causeway. After seven months, by combined attack of land forces marching uh, in and over the co- a causeway, and the fleets uh, conquered the city of Tyre. Thus, uh, some of these other ones were fulfilled. Number one, the other nations uh, participate in the fulfillment of the prophecy. The city was to be made flat like the top of a rock, and the stones and the timber and the dust were laid in the sea. Other neighboring cities were so frightened by the conquest of Tyre that they opened up their gates to Alexander without opposition fulfilled number six. The cities uh, are uh, to fear greatly at the fall of Tyre. Uh, today, visitors of the old city of Tyre find uh, it is very popular place for fishermen and are spreading their nets upon that very spot. Of course, that fulfills the fact that they spread their nets there. Great freshwater springs of Aracelin, are at the site of the main, mainland city of Tyre, and no doubt supplied the city with abundance of fresh water. These springs are still there and still flowing, but their water, waters run into the sea. The flow of these springs was measured by an engineer to flow about uh, 10, million, uh, 10 million gallons daily. And of course, it's an excellent site for a city. But the site of that of that old city of Tyre that was torn down has still never been rebuilt. Thus, number seven of that uh, of those prophecies: the old city of Tyre shall never be rebuilt. Um, seeing all these things, you can you can tell that these prophecies came true. Every one now, what they did: the this uh, the scientist and mathematician uh, put a group together a number of people, and asked them to give the number of chances it would take for each one of these prophecies to be fulfilled. For example, uh, the fact that Nebuchadnezzar would come against the city of Tyre. And they gave an estimate uh, estimate of one chance uh, in three was chosen. And they did that for all seven of them. And uh, it came out to multiplying each of them by themselves, which is how they do statistical evidence, it came out, this is the the opportunity of all seven of those things being fulfilled is one in 75 million. One chance in 75 million for all of those details that were given about Tyre to come to pass. Now that's just one prophecy about one place. And we talked, about, uh, we talked about Samaria. We talked about Gaza and Ashkelon. We talked about Jericho. The old city of Jericho that, that, was, pro- that was torn down would never be rebuilt. Uh, some other prophecies regarding that. Palestine, Moab and Ammon, Edom, Babylon, and many, 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 many others that were prophesied about in the Old Testament. All of those things came to pass just as they were prophesied to do. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you that that God doesn't misfire. Now, let's move that ahead a little bit. And when I say by ahead, I'm talking about the prophecy of that being fulfilled. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to show the prophecies of Jesus Christ first coming being fulfilled. Um, you have Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, and I'm not going to go through and I'm not going to read all of these things, but I am going to read what these prophecies were about, just so that you can kind of get an idea that it wasn't some guy back around, uh, uh, you know, 4 BC or, or 33 BC, or not BC, AD, trying his best to see if he could go back in the Bible and find all these things that were written about the Messiah and making them come to pass in his own life. Uh, this is just not going to happen because you're going to find out that he had no control over many of these things. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee, talking about the serpent, and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And that, of course, is a reference to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not born of human with a human father. He was born of the Holy Ghost of the seed of a woman, which is a miracle in itself. Uh, You've got uh, the fact that he was prophesied that he would be of the seed of Abraham, that he would be of the seed of Isaac, that he would be of the seed of Jacob, and that he would be from the tribe of Judah. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, the scepter Shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of people be. Um, of course, in the the fulfillment of that is found in Luke chapter three and verse thirty three, talks about uh, Jesus Christ being heir to the throne of David. In Micah chapter five and verse two, it talks about the fact that where Jesus Christ was going to be born, tell me that Jesus Christ could manipulate that one. That he was going to be born in Bethlehem before he was born. How's he going to manipulate that? Of course, that prophecy is fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, verses 4, 6, or 5 and 7. The time of his birth. Uh, in the 69th week according to Daniel. And of course that's fulfilled in Luke chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. You've got the fact that he was virgin born as I mentioned before but another prophecy in regards to that is found in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. And that prophecy is fulfilled in Luke chapter 1 verses 26, 27, 30, and 31. The slaughter of the innocents when Herod uh, finds out that he was mocked of the, uh, of the wise men, uh, that the Messiah was come, the king of the Jews was come, and he got jealous, and he had all the, the babies from two years old and under uh, butchered and killed. Of course, that was prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, and was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. Hosea uh, talks about his flight to Egypt. As Jesus is an infant to flee Herod's wrath, uh, it talks about him being uh, gone to Egypt. In Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 it says, And when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 14 and 15 it says this, When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And <clears throat> was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. He was preceded by a forerunner. Find that in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 fulfilled in Luke chapter 7 verse 24 and 27. You found that he's declared to be the son of God in Psalm chapter 2 and fulfilled in Matthew chapter 3. It even predicts that he would have a Galilean ministry found in Isaiah chapter nine and verses one and two, and fulfilled in Matthew chapter four, verses thirteen through sixteen. Said he would be a prophet in Deuteronomy chapter eighteen and fulfilled in Acts chapter three. Said that he would uh, would heal the brokenhearted found in Isaiah chapter sixty one, verses one and two, and fulfilled in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. If you don't think, you know, if you think I'm making this thing up, you need to go and read them. You know, we would be here way, way too long, and you'd lose interest if I tried to read all of these things. But what I'm trying to show you is that every one of these things, in detail, came through right on the money in regards to Jesus Christ. Um. He was rejected by his own people, the Jews, found in Isaiah chapter 53 and fulfilled in, in John chapter 1 and Luke chapter 23. He was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, found in, in Psalm 110, fulfilled in Hebrews 5. Uh, he has, uh, it, the triumphal entry was predicted in Zechariah chapter 9 and fulfilled in Mark chapter 11. He was betrayed by a friend found in Psalm 41 and fulfilled in Luke 22. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver. This is found in Zechariah chapter 11 verse 12. They had no idea. Jesus Christ didn't have any control over this at all. This was between Judas and the high priests. And that was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 26. He was accused by false witnesses, found in Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 35 and fulfilled in Mark chapter 14. He was silent to his accusations in Isaiah chapter 53, fulfilled in Mark chapter 15. Spat upon and smitten, Isaiah chapter 50, revealed or fulfilled in, in Matthew chapter 26. Hated without reason, Psalm 35, fulfilled in John 15. Vicarious sacrifice, found in Isaiah 53, fulfilled in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8. Crucified with malefactors, Isaiah 53, fulfilled in Mark 15. Pierced through his hands and his feet, Zechariah chapter 12, fulfilled in John chapter 20. He was scorned and mocked. Psalm 22 fulfilled in Luke 23. Given vinegar and gall while he was on the cross. Psalm 69 Matthew, fulfilled in Matthew 27. He pra- the prayer for his enemies. Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, prayed for his enemies. It was found in Isaiah uh, Psalm 109 fulfilled in Luke 23. The soldiers gambled for his coat. In Psalm 22 it says, I may tell uh, uh, my bones, they looked and stared upon me. They part my garments among them and cast their lots for my vesture. In Matthew chapter 27 verse 35 and 36, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vestures they did cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. Now how, do you, how, how does a guy do that? How, do, how does a guy hanging on the cross say, okay, now guys, in order to fulfill this prophecy, you guys got to part my garments and you've got to cast lots for my vestures. That's not going to happen. In Psalm 34, it says that, that no bones of him were broken. And it was fulfilled in John chapter 19. His side would be pierced. Zechariah 12, verse 10. Fulfilled in John 19. He was buried with the rich. Isaiah 53. Found, uh, fulfilled in Matthew 27. To be resurrected. Psalm 16. Fulfilled in Mark 16. Um, His ascension to God's right hand was found in Psalm 68 verse 18. Was fulfilled in Mark 16, 1 Corinthians 15, and Ephesians chapter 4. All of these things, probably close to 36, roughly, 36 specific, specific prophecies about one man being fulfilled in every detail, right on the money. Right on the money. Now how can a Christian be confident regarding his future? How can he be confident regarding his future? And I submit to you the very confidence and hope that he has is by the accuracy of the prophecy that's already been fulfilled. You know, it says in in John chapter 14, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye shall be also. Now, he just gave you a promise But that promise is a prophecy to be fulfilled. And that will take place. It hasn't taken place yet. But it will take place. And Jesus Christ is good for his word. You know, there are so many things that are yet to take place. I mean, we're talking about the rapture is going to take place. And we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ is going to take place. And we're going to talk about... The, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. There's judgments that are going to take place, not only for the saved, but for the lost as well. There's a great white throne judgment that's going to take place. The tribulation is going to take place, and all the specific things that, that are detailed there in Daniel and in the, the book of Revelation and throughout the Old Testament of things, specific things that will take place. You have all the things in regards to heaven that Jesus Christ has spoken about. Those things are going to take place. And our confidence and our hope is not a, not a hope so hope, but a confident, relying hope we have because of the scriptures, because of the prophecy that has already been fulfilled. And if those prophecies have been fulfilled without a single error, we can trust the fact That what we read in our Bible, in the King James 1611 Bible, will come through just as it says it will. Take hope, Christian. Your future is secure because of the prophecies that have been fulfilled already. Guys, I want to thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Thanks,
0: Steve. I, um, you know that 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 was that was great, and <clears throat> it reminds me. Uh, shortly after I'd gotten saved, I'd I'd found a or somebody had given me a a track on. Um, it wasn't really a track. It was like a long, really tall thin pamphlet on all these prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and I thought, Come on. <laughs> Until I started looking them all up, and I was like, you know, and, lo- and some of the ones that you mentioned, they were like, wow, how can this yeah. be? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It, it was, I was, you know, and boy, I was just, I was amazed. And, and I still am.
1: <laughs> if somebody looks beyond the surface, like what you did with that with that tract or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and really, like you said, really look at it and then contemplate. The, the the probability of that mm-hmm. it is so astronomical it is unbelievable yeah. i mean there's no numbers that can even can even approach that
0: yeah and and it had the effect of boy really really making me believe even more you know really girding up my faith that wow this is this is uh this is not just a book mm-hmm. <laughs> This is this is uh, something very special, it's supernatural. There's there's power in this book. There, there, there there's no way that how could this? It's just it's just amazing. Still, I'm still amazed. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> it's great stuff. How About the Amen. rest, of you guys.
2: Amen. Well, he he hit it on the head very well. Did a good job. After a while, there's just no room left for coincidence. Amen. Yeah. Amen.
3: I think about uh, um, in in the Bible here where it says in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, God says, I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand, and mm-hmm. I will do all my pleasure. And uh, I, just, I just think it's amazing how God knows the beginning from the end. And I, it definitely shows through the Bible that it's definitely God's word, that it's definitely God-breathed. And uh, as we've seen before, the science in the Bible, um, you know, and, and now also the prophecy of the Bible, how there's just absolutely no way that he could make all those prophecies, if it, if it was just human beings writing this book, just make all those prophecies and have them come past uh, 100%. And uh, those, of course, that are future will come past 100%. And, and like Brother Steve is has uh, pointed out very well, I mean, what a blessing it is to know that one day, uh, you know that we are predestinated to be conformed to the image of his dear son I mean I can't wait to uh, to uh, go to heaven and, and get that resurrected body and and uh, praise the Lord I can't wait for that but but it, it, it'll be good I mean I, I think about um, I've done a um, just recently a big study on the different uh, especially cults like the um, the the Um, Of course, the Watchtower from Jehovah's Witnesses and stuff like that, and just the prophecy that they go, the the problem with them is, of course, they've they've got a lot of problems with salvation, you know, how to get to heaven and some other major doctrines, but a big thing they go off of, too, is uh, their own prophecy, and they don't, you know, they don't use the Bible for their prophecy, they use their prophets. And uh, and when you go outside of the Bible, you see where all the errors are because it's not God doing it. And uh, and just I uh, thank God for this Bible that God preserved it and uh, and inspired it. And uh, we've got it today to know for sure how to check a prophet to see if he's really from God or not. And that is to see if the prophecy really truly comes to happen uh, comes to uh, happen one hundred percent of the time or not. And and thank
2: God it has in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Amen. In Second Peter 3.3, 3, it says, Knowing this first, that there shall come the last days, scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And uh, we're in those days where there are a lot of scoffers saying, uh, Where is he coming? And a lot of times I, uh, I have occasionally, at the, at the very least, maybe not a lot of times, but occasionally I've run into people that when you talk about the Lord coming, uh, they'll say things like, well, my grandma used to talk about Jesus coming, you know, and they've been talking about this for so long. They think just because he hasn't come yet, that doesn't mean he's, that means he's not coming. But uh, one of these days, Jesus said, I will come again, John 14, mm-hmm. 3, and he's coming. And what I'm Steve was know. talking about today, the proof of prophecy past being fulfilled is enough to show us that uh, what he said he will do, he will do. And we see yeah. enough things falling into place right now. Mm-hmm. uh things that are the beginnings of sorrows as per Matthew uh, 24 and uh, uh another thing like this is uh like what uh, Matt was saying um from Isaiah there about the lord uh knowing the end declaring the end from the beginning Romans chapter 4 speaking of Abraham it says as I, as it is written i have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even god now, speaking of God, it says, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And that's what the Lord does when he prophesies. He He looks at things that we can't see and that aren't in the realm of time yet, and he calls them as though they've already come to pass, yes. like the book of Revelation, and we can be sure that they will. And I just want to add one other thing, that the Lord um, is outside of our realm of time, according to... The book of Isaiah as well. Uh, he inhabits eternity, right. and eternity is outside the realm of uh, time. And uh, and I'll give you the reference here for that exactly. That's Isaiah fifty-seven verse fifteen. But because he's outside of the realm of time, time he does see the end from the beginning. That's right. how he can declare it. He right. just he just looks and what he sees uh, in um, or what what we would think of as the future. You know, in two thousand and fifty. I mean, he can see it right there before him. And yeah. that's, how, that's how he sees it when he gives John the book of Revelation and right. other people their prophecies. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, the, the thing I, I alluded to, and, I, and believe me when I say this, the scripture is sufficient for me. I don't need anything else beside the scripture. But in, in going over this book that, that I was reading from in regards to Tyre, they took Tyre plus nine others. Uh, prophecies such as I was talking about Samaria, Gaza, Ascalon, uh, Jericho, and so forth. And they did that mathematical statistical probability. And when they added up all the probability of all, all ten of those cities being prophesied and everything coming true about those prophecies, just to give you semblance of a visual of this, it would be like marking one silver dollar stirring it in a container that would hold the sun so you have all these silver dollars that would be able to fill the sun marking one of them blindfolding someone and telling him to go out in 2 minutes and finding that one <laughs> that's that's the probability of all of those prophecies being fulfilled just just those 10 and the prophecies within those ten places. And our Bible is full of those things. Amen. And Amen. and it you know, it, it's I know it's outlandish to even contemplate something that that wild, but it still kind of puts a face on what we're talking about, that our God is so great and so incredible that He can do this. <laughs> by the means that you guys have already described, but nobody else can attain that. I mean, Gene Dixon can't hold a candle to him. And and yet, thousands of, millions of people waste their time with horoscopes and waste their time with, with predictions. I mean, uh, Nancy Reagan, uh, uh, Richard Nixon used to follow Gene Dixon's advice and, and what she would predict and so forth. And here, that's one of them was was the wife of a president. The other one was a president himself, and they're following the vice of a woman that's supposedly predicting the future. When you have the God of the universe that is got everything we need right within the pages of this book, why would we go to anything else? Why would we believe anything else? That's just amazing. I don't
0: understand how someone could take just like the the prophecies that you mentioned tonight. How they could take those, look those up. What? What? How could you possibly refute that? Yeah, you know.
1: Well, they they tried to say in the past that there was a collusion of writers that that put these things together, but <laughs> you know, it, within the context that those statements are made, there's. You, you 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 can't come up with any collusion mm-hmm. I mean uh, trying to say that the New Testament writers came in there and and picked these things out uh, there there's just no way yeah. it was it was totally driven by the spirit of God mm-hmm. there, there's just no other explanation for it
2: oh, and there's enough extra biblical history that points to uh, the existence of Jesus Christ and where he was born mm-hmm. right. where he was crucified, that um, even outside the Bible will corroborate what's in it.
1: Right. Amen. As as with the city of Tyre. I mean, I've got documentation for everything that was said there, from the, the material that they found, the sources that they used to, to prove those things true, are within uh, writings that can be uh, ascertained.
0: Amen. And all of these should should be an encouragement for any Christian that, uh, you know. That's that what it's all
1: about. It's I mean, we can see that our salvation is secure because God has promised it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've done what he required you to do, then he's good for his word. Amen. Uh, he's coming back again Say, take us home. He's, Amen. he's good for his word. All the rest of it. Amen.
0: Guys, it's been good again. It's good getting back together and doing
1: this. Amen.
0: It's been a while.
3: I almost said something I should have, Steve. I, I stopped myself, but I was going to say I can't wait to get a resurrected body because I don't want to get as old as you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope you don't either. But I stopped myself. I'm ready to, I I'm ready it. to go. So you didn't,
0: you, you didn't actually say it, Steve. I know
1: you didn't actually say no, it. I didn't say I didn't it. I didn't, it either. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I want to do it over spirit. Spirit, Matthew.
3: That was good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm growing as a Christian. Don't worry, brother. <laughs> Slowly, but you're growing. I don't want to surpass. expectage but... coming back, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to surpass you. I don't because I'm I'm pretty close. So I'm gonna have to slow down.
0: <laughs> oh, amen. praise the Lord. So who's going to bring us number four zero?
3: I'll do it next time since Brother Steve was so gracious to help me out this time since it was my turn of course
0: yeah, maybe you can do something on old age or getting old or <laughs> growing
2: old gracefully book of Psalms still bear fruit in old age
1: <laughs> yeah there you go you could use me as an illustration if you want I might <laughs> I'll give me permission though before I'll get it in writing first
0: Mike you won't remember <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I didn't say that, brother Steve. that was my dad.
1: That's right.
2: I just asked the question I think now we know where Matt gets it.
0: <laughs> Steve taught me everything I know.
3: Uh, I look
1: biblically brother <laughs>
0: uh, all right guys.
3: Coming soon. All right, have a good night, guys. Night
1: or new, many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets, will, Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous
0: be in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heavenward by. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716 584 As always, thanks for listening and press on.